Here we go, Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Joining me, my co-host, my NBA outsiders, my basketball extraordinaires on the night of Zion Williamson's NBA debut. We finally got to see it. We saw it live. We slept through the first three quarters, maybe, but we woke up for an electric fourth quarter before being stripped away of a final five minutes. What could have been, Duff? What could have been? Mark Jackson said it best. Show me the analytics that says Zion Williamson was going to get hurt in the next five minutes. Show me those analytics. Release the tapes. Yeah, man. Four minutes at a time until the fourth quarter, and then he started really going off. He scored 17 straight points at one point in the fourth quarter, carried the team back to take the lead, and before you know it, he's sitting on the bench, and the Pelicans are losing the game yet again. Very tough ending to a pretty fun debut, even though the first three quarters were, you know, a little iffy for Zion. We'll get to it. But, Frank, what would you think, man? Overall, um, I was impressed. I definitely was glued to the screen like I thought I would be. Um, More so in the first half when he didn't do anything, and then I kind of turned my head like five points deep in his run already. Um, Super impressed, though. Uh, Can't wait to see him get his motor going like he had it going towards the end of the college season. I mean, even towards the end of that game. In the fourth quarter, he really started... Uh, getting after it, started moving like the Zion we looked forward to watching. There was the one play where he missed a shot, caught the offensive rebound, did that like, you know, eight foot sidestep jump into yeah. a into a, a tough finish right around the basket. Like that was the type of play where it's like, holy smokes, this guy's athleticism and beefiness is on a different level. Like the yeah, beefiness is so it, real. All like, not that there's many, but the question marks like, does it translate in those moments? It's like. Hell yeah, it translates. Yeah, they were. He had hit a couple shots, and then he went for a post up on some white big man from the. Was it Jakob Pertl? Oh yeah, it was Jakob Pertl. Totally forgot about him and that he was in that trade. So I mean, take any white big man on the Spurs, and it might as well be Jakob Pertl. Like of all time, yeah, like, like it could have been Tiago Splitter, who oh, like, retired good. a while ago, but it could have been him. Yeah, anyway, they force they force him in on the post. He's posting that guy up. He's actually got a really good position. He turns and makes like a non, like a non just like a weird move, like not even really a move. He just kind of turns and and try to tries to throw the ball up. Gets blocked. The ball is in the air. Zion has not landed yet. He he lands towards the baseline away from the ball. Jumps sideways a good 6 to 8 feet like you said, Pete. Grabs it in the middle of like gets there before like three other players who are in the mix. Gets the ball and jumps for a third, uh, a third time, back up and finishes the basket. Like that was the the most Zion play of all the plays that we saw tonight. Like the threes were cool. He had a couple nice assists, but that was the play that's like this is what makes this guy so special. It's just athletically so so explosive. Right. Like yeah. The, that's the thing. I, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say um, my personal comparison for him, like just like some of the highlights of uh, Charles Barkley back in the day when he was chubby but still fast and athletic and strong. And I thought Zion was going to be like a more athletic version of that. And they used to call Charles the round mound of rebound, right? And the first three quarters just looked like he wasn't going at it like he was a rebounding machine. And then, again, the play we highlighted, like 
you saw the tenacity that you want to see from a guy with that athleticism. Like, uh, I do think that that's a pretty good player comparison, honestly, after watching the first game. I see a lot of Sean Kemp. Yeah. Sean Kemp to me was just, he, he like the body type and how explosive he is for his size, like that's really who I see in Zion. The physicality. Shoot. A way higher ceiling. But can he shoot? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, man. Clearly he, he went. look at the rim tonight. Yeah, right. He <laughs> he was chucking and praying uh, in the fourth quarter, and they were dropping. I mean, I, I hate to say this on the podcast, but I kind of have don't to since I already, bro- I already broke Duff's heart pre-pod. Uh, Zion Williamson has already <laughs> taken. Right which I, uh, dude, Duffy, just leave the Discord. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. All right. This is fine. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to mute myself. Zion Williamson has taken and made more threes in one game than Ben Simmons has. And do you see this dude's jumper? It's disgusting. And Zion's out there willing to take threes. I bet you in the next game he'll airball one or off the side of the backboard, brick one off the backboard maybe to go in off the bank. He doesn't care. He's taking the shot if he's open and it makes sense. Zion. Call your boy Ben Simmons if you guys are boys. I don't know if you are. It doesn't matter. Text him. Be like, yo, Ben, see those threes I made? Bet you can do that if you tried. Come on now. Not even, bro. Just never shoot another three. You're going to end his career at 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's Zion, how we do. The best career three-point percentage of all time. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> Move over, Steve Kerr. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring that up, Duff, but it has to be said because uh, I mean, seriously, Duff, you can't look at Zion Williamson's shot and not be like, Ugh, right? It's just. A, here's the thing. I was just thinking about it. It's just as ugly as Ben Simmons, but Zion. It might shot be uglier. So much more natural, but it's so much more natural. It's so much more fluid than like he. He doesn't look like he's shooting with the wrong hand. So, uh, like Ben Simmons looks like he's shooting 100 percent with the wrong hand. You know what? I don't want to have this Ben Simmons slander right now because he's playing like such a monster right. I actually i went to the sixers nets game on monday so i won't i won't i'm not here for this i, I won't partake didn't they lose tonight i'm not worried about that <laughs> it's fine it's fine that everything's fine <laughs> now he has been playing good and you guys do know i'm one of the biggest ben simmons advocates out there that's the only thing about his game where you could really start to get upset or nitpicky whatever so it is what it is we're going to move on we're talking about zion williamson so we talked about the fourth quarter quickly already about how good he looked and some of the electric plays he made and how raucous that crowd got because of the energy and the comeback that he led. Uh, but it did not start off that way. In the first quarter, he started the game, which was a slight shock to me, but I guess he is the number one pick. Like, he's supposed to be a starter, whether he's 100%. I mean, whether he's if he's playing, he's 100%, think, like, right? Presumably so. He may just not yes. be playing starter minutes, but he's going to start. So I get that. Um, but... Starting the game for him felt like a weird transition. Like he went so zero to a hundred. There was no game pace. His teammates clearly wanted to get the ball into his hands at some point, get him a feel for it, let him make some plays. And he made some mistakes. He threw the ball away, uh, clunked some passes, even though he had some good ideas on passes. But but Duff, the fir- the fourth quarter was so electric. The first quarter wasn't electric. Uh, is that just par for the course? Like that's just what's going to happen for him until he starts really getting his feet under him. Well, he was just nervous. I think he was nervous. I think his teammates were a little nervous. And they he wasn't quite sure what to do. Like, this team's been rolling. I think they've won nine of their last... Well, before this game, they had won nine of their last 13. So, you know, they were rolling. They were in a good spot. And it wasn't... It, at 
finally it seemed like they weren't really missing him. So now you have to inject him back into the into the game, into their game, and see you know where he fits and w- what he's going to be doing for this team because they haven't been getting a ton from the from the f- uh, forward center position. Like uh, Demarc uh, Derek Favors had made twenty two straight shots. You know, I think it was like twenty shots coming into this game, and to me that says like you know okay you made twenty straight shots, but that was probably over the course of two or three games. So he's really only taking like eight to 10 shots a game. So they're not looking to go inside. Um, but I, or, or utilize the big man on like pick and roll or anything like that. Like they're very perimeter oriented team. So now they're working in a guy, I, he's only six, six, but he he's, he's a big man. Like he's got that body and that's what they're going to need him to do is finish around the rim for them. Which, which what he excels at. So he seemed like he was trying not to step on anyone's toes. He just wanted to get comfortable out there. Like, it's tough. You're playing against the Spurs. You know they're going to have a good defensive scheme against whoever they play. And LaMarcus Aldridge was actually giving him a lot of trouble. And he was playing early fourth quarter minutes when L.A. was not in the game. So now he has some more room to operate. Plus, the Spurs went zone. So it gave him a ton of room to just kind of float and find the dead spots. And uh, I, I think that was good. I mean, he's got to clean up the turnovers, but he's got to get just used to the speed of the game. Yeah, I think you said it best before we started recording. It took him all of three quarters to figure out the NBA. So not that he's going to come out, you know, as high as he ended this game, but um, that's pretty impressive. You know, I wouldn't figure that most guys can do that, especially after missing a couple of months to start the year. Like, uh, the ceiling is... The ceiling is the roof. Yeah, the ceiling is the roof, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if think about it, if this happened the first night of the NBA season like it was supposed to, right? Like, this would have been huge. I mean, it's huge right now because it is Zion Williamson. But if this was the first night of the season, the tweets would be firing off in that first uh, that first half saying, oh, man, like, Zion doesn't look good. Like, he looks, he looks uh, you know, overwhelmed. He doesn't look comfortable. Is he as good an athlete uh, on this level? Uh, because the those overreactions happen so hardcore when it is the first game of the season, but because he was coming off injury, I think even fans who are relentless are giving him the benefit of the doubt. They're like, "Oh, get your feet under you. You know, you just like had like a knee thing. Don't worry about it. I'm sure you're gonna get back to it." But imagine this happened like three months ago when the season just started. This would have been a huge talking point, and then all those uh, freezing cold takes from the first half would have been exposed after he looked like himself in the fourth quarter. And not just looked like himself, but I think that even shatters expectations. I mean, 17 points in a row for any player in any quarter of any game is impressive. To do it in your first game ever in a tight game leading a comeback, I mean, it's it's almost storybook. The only thing that would have made it storybook is if uh, you know he could play the rest of the game and maybe they would have won. Yeah, just some sure. quick analytics for you. Uh, his per 36 numbers on the season, uh, <laughs> okay. 44 points, 14 rebounds. So I think that's a pretty good pace. Pretty good pace. <laughs> um. not, not a small sample size at all, too, so you should totally trust those numbers, take them to the bank, bet on it, do all that stuff. Yeah, take all the overs on Zion uh, next game. Yeah, could you imagine all the people who bet the over on Zion points is probably like somewhere in the high teens, and they're just like, oh my God, what a terrible bet. And then <laughs> literally three minutes later, you're like, this man is a god. <laughs> yeah, for real. And and actually, you know, being a New Jersey native that I am now, DraftKings is uh, in my backyard, or my phone, I guess, how you look, depends how you look at it. Uh, they Fuck. were doing odds boost on Zion Williamson overs today. 
So his regular over-under was about 14.5 points. His odds-boosted number was 17.5. Clearly, he got both. But like you said, he got it in three minutes in the fourth quarter. So anyone who took that sucker bet, if you ask me, I didn't bet it. I guess maybe it's not a sucker bet since it's a hit. But I thought it was. Uh, they're they're very happy right now. They're a happy camper in New Jersey loading out their DraftKings on some other stuff this week. For the sure. odds boost is always a soccer bet. Unless it is. They always, yeah, unless it isn't. Exactly. Um, well, one thing I want to talk about Zion Williamson in regards to one thing I saw tonight that didn't uh, give any good results in this first game or it gave a couple good results was the passing vision and his willingness to pass. And I think I saw this in Duke too, uh, but maybe he was asked to do so much you didn't see it as consistently or all the time, but he was seemingly a very willing and capable passer from an idea standpoint. He did not execute on some of those passes. He threw a couple balls away and uh, was not delivering them in good spots for shooters all the time and, and whatnot. But I thought the ideas he had on some of these passes, cross-court, bounces, all this different stuff was very promising and very impressive. And when that feel of the game really comes back, I think passing will end up being one of Zion's traits that maybe we didn't talk about as much, but could end up being absolutely dynamic for him moving forward. Well, he's just a high IQ guy. Like he's very comfortable on the court in general, like in college. That's what you saw from him in the preseason. That's what he's summer league. Like it, it, it was always there. Like he always seemed comfortable. He knew where to go, what to do. And in the first three quarters, he, like I, I was like, whoa, like did this dude just kind of forget how to play basketball? But I was like, nah, he's just probably nervous. Like whatever. First game jitters. Like honestly, if he finished with five points and three rebounds, like it was it was looking like for a minute. I, I, I still wouldn't have like really overreacted the other way. It just kind of would have been anticlimactic. But he, he lived up to the moment. And to your point, I was in the fourth quarter. I, I believe it was in the fourth quarter. He, I, I forget who it was. It might have been Lonzo Ball or someone else passed him up the ball to try to like get the offense going, you know, because they love transition, like defense to misses to, to like run up the court. Like Alvin Gentry, Pelicans have been doing this for years. So they give it up to Zion. Then he has like a cross-court pass to um, – Etwan Moore, uh, to like as he's slashing towards the rim, and I was like, "Oh man, like know your personnel. Like that's not, you know, that's a good pass, but not necessarily the right guy." But I, like I wasn't paying close enough attention, and obviously didn't see the court as well as him because the only person between Etwan Moore and the basket was Derek White, and not really worried about that guy at the rim. So, you know, props to Zion. Like he, he he's willing to pass. He's willing to take chances. You know, I'm so okay with him having five turnovers just for the sake of, like, it, 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 if they're if they're off a pass, like an aggressive pass, just because it shows he's willing to take chances and he's trying to get comfortable. And I, you know, I bet you within a month it, it'll it'll flip. It'll be like you know five assists and one turnover. Like it, it'll be close. Like even one of those was just him not kind of feeling the proper moment and he was he went too quickly as someone on his team was cutting from the right corner through to the left side and he he kind of jumped the gun on when he was going to drive and follow that cut um and he just ended up dribbling the ball into one of the Spurs defenders and and that's how he got one of his turnovers he just got to calm down right but he'll he'll be fine no that's such a good point though dude like the passing turnovers are so much more acceptable or positive if he's trying to make the right pass or trying to make a special pass uh, and if he's just dribbling into triple teams and losing the ball, that's a bad look for you, boy. I think one of the numbers I heard on Zach Lowe's podcast when he had Joe Ingles on last week is that Joe Ingles, yeah. 
is um, always one of the league leaders at his position. Like for any wing who handles the ball in pick and rolls, like he's one of the league leaders in turnovers per pick and roll possession um, every single the past like three years or something like that. And that sounds like such a negative thing, but if you look at it from that other perspective of him taking those chances, and yeah, he may turn it over, but he also adds a bunch of great plays as well, and he has one of the more uh, the higher assist totals for his position, uh, and how much the Jazz rely on his playmaking. Like those things actually can be looked at as positives, and it's the same exact concept for Zion. And he was uh, Zach Lowe asked him point blank. He's like, "Do the coaches like would they say anything about this to you?" And he was like, "He was like, yeah, they wish I, I, you know, obviously didn't turn the ball over as much." But he was like, "But you know, I don't care. It doesn't really bother me. Like I, I like you know being aggressive and trying to get the ball. Like a lot of those passes are Rudy Gobert slashing to the basket. You know, why wouldn't I want to get that guy the the ball in an advantageous position doing what he does best? And I think that's such a, a great mindset to have." hundred percent. So typical of an Australian man. <laughs> Is it? Are we doing that? Are we wild. doing that generally? Be wild. <laughs> He's an aggressive, bro. Aggressive, man. Yeah. Well, I'm He's just saying that like, if you think about it, like if somebody in the pick and roll doesn't turn the ball over, but they're just taking easy passes out to the wing or simple passes to the corner to set up swings, like they, sure, they that's on pick and pops. Right. Like sure, that's that's fine and all. Like that's that's cool. But if if Joe Ingles is turning the ball over twice, but setting up Rudy Gobert five times for slam dunks, like, all right, I think we can live with that uh, with the spectacular side of things as well. Yeah, at worst you net out like for, you know if Gobert converts on all those and the other team converts on the two turnovers, then you like even on threes you still net out plus four points on right. those on those exchanges. Exactly. Totally exactly. That's it. And I just I just wanted to touch on something that. Uh, that we had talked about um, when we were doing a little bit of Pelicans kind of talk about right place, right time uh, a couple weeks ago before the Zion news came out, we were, we did a little bit of a, like a Pelicans breakdown and you know, I, we talked about it then and I'm going to talk about it again. Now I love watching Lonzo ball so much like, and Jeff Van Gundy said it on the, uh, on, on the cast. He was just like, you know, whoever, whoever he's working with on his shot, like obviously Zion deserves the bulk of the credit, but that person has done a tremendous job just restoring his, his confidence. And, and really you can see a big time difference in his shooting. Now he still loves to take step backs going to his left. And he did that a couple times where he had like a wide open three. And then he just kind of like took a rhythm dribble in with his left hand and then stepped back out while he was on the left wing shot a three. And I was like, why would you do that? And then it went, it went in. I was like, Oh yeah. Cause that's what you do. And and I love watching him on defense too. He's such active hands. Like he really flies. Like him and Ben Simmons are really similar to me on defense. You know, Simmons obviously is is more athletic and he's bigger, but Lonzo is just just as cerebral on the defensive end and just as active with his hands. Like he loves to get deflections. He's always poking at the ball. Like if you leave if you leave that ball in a in a vulnerable position for even one moment, he is going to pounce on that every single time. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think I think Lonzo's got like a higher basketball IQ than people give him credit for because well, people, like you people said, who like, don't the watch biggest him. knock on his game is shooting. Yeah, like, it's not, yeah um, I'm a fan of, Zion, uh, Lonzo and Zion. Lonzo. Lonzo. <laughs> <laughs> Lion. Yeah. Bro, Lion. 
I mean, and they, they seem to be such a perfect complement to each other, I guess, outside of the spacing of the floor. But, I mean, if Lonzo shoots the way he's been, that kind of goes out the, the wayside. And same for Zion, I guess. But, like, as far as transition and defense, they complement each other so well. And I think that is one of the the number one things when that trade was officially announced that Anthony Davis going to Lakers and Lonzo was going to New Orleans. That was the first thing anybody thought of, like, Oh my God! I can't wait to see Lonzo and Zion in transition, or Lonzo wow. and Zion getting in those alley oop sets. I think that they ran an alley oop set, and I don't know if that was made to be that, but it looked like it damn was. Where Lonzo was driving and basically didn't even look at the hoop. He ended up kicking out to the top of the key because the Spurs like doubled up on Zion rolling around to the hoop. But it looked like they set the first play up for Lonzo to drive around the right side flip a, a ball over the top of the defense for Zion coming in to clean it up. I mean, that's what we've been waiting for, was that electricity and that connection that Lonzo has with his passing ability to to Zion with his hands and his catching ability and catching radius. Uh, I mean, that's what we've all been waiting for. We got a glimpse of it with the one alley-oop layup uh, Zion threw in in the half court, but that first time they connect in transition, Instagram might shut down. Twitter might yeah. shut down. People are going to be freaking out, and I am so here for that. We need here that Lob City with reel. a little Cajun spice, you know? We need it. It's like the human highlight reel 2.0. Shout out, Neek, Dominique. Hey. Um, one, th- one more thing I just want to say about Zion. Offensively, he um, when he was guarded by LaMarcus Aldridge, he gave him a lot of trouble. I think that's just because... You know, it's 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 a bigger dude guarding him, and you got to remember he, he's going to be playing like the four or five small ball five. He's undersized; he's only you know six 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 seven, and Lamarcus Aldridge is legit seven foot. So you know, when you're trying to go inside fifteen feet on that guy, it's going to be a tough time until he develops some moves. Like he needs like a Pascal Siakam spin move. I think would be so lethal. Um, and we'll see how real the jump shot is. Like, I, you know. It's, he may, he might. He, Frank, I'm not gonna rule it out. He might go 100 percent for his career. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna rule it out. After, after what I've seen, I will not rule anything out with this man. But you know, odds are he's not gonna do that. So how real is this jump shot? Is he gonna continue to take it if he keeps struggling? Because you know, pulling pulling someone like Lamarcus Aldridge who's not terribly mobile out to the perimeter, like that's where he can attack him is when he has more runway to just kind of go around him. And he like when he got doubled in the first quarter. Uh, off of a catch in like the mid post out on the, the like the left corner, it was so strange. Like it was like one of the first plays of the game. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, and then he had that great touch pass to Brandon Ingram. Like he passed that so fast, he was gonna be, he Ingram was gonna be wide open if he waited like a half a second. But he yeah. saw the pass immediately and he threw it to him while Ingram was still behind two other defenders. And Ingram's so long and and he was already had a head of steam. Like he got through and dunked the ball or laid it in real quick, and it was it was really nice. But it, he, it was like something really cool to see that he was—he saw that play almost too fast. Like it, it was—it was fun. There was also another pass very early in the first quarter that he made from the top of the key, kind of like the right side of the key. He got a pass from Lonzo, and then Lonzo and Brandon Ingram did like a cross. So not really a screen, but it was the intent was to get the defenders to run into each other or near each other, or whatever. And he threw the ball leading Brandon Ingram to the basket, and Brandon Ingram wanted it more towards the three-point line, like the, the wing three-point yeah, on the corner, left side. Yeah, saw that. And if if Brandon Ingram had just followed the path to the basket, I think it would have been an easy bucket. But 
regardless, the pass got through to him. It wasn't one of his turnovers. That's the right mindset, though, like we're talking about. Like, he, he made a great pass, but with a with a minor mistake. Like, or not, I won't say minor mistake. Like, you throw the ball. And <laughs> well, the yeah, ball like, and I was... I, kill I, momentum, I, like, that's not great. But he sees the pass. Like, and, and once they play together more and he knows what Ingram wants them to do and Ingram knows what Zion might want him to do, like, they, they'll get more comfortable. Like, basketball, we say it all the time, it's so much about chemistry, so underrated. And uh, I thought this was a great sign for the Pelicans that, you know, after three quarters, they started to figure it out. And props to Lonzo for really trying to, like, force feed him and, and the entire team for just saying, like, this is your moment. You're the hot hand right now. We're going to go to you. For sure. I loved it. I mean, I'll never forget the one thing, and this is my last point here. Uh, it doesn't make complete one-to-one sense, but it, it is a really good general point I heard from Chauncey Billups once when he was talking about that series against the Lakers when they won their first title uh, what Ben Wallace, like Ben Wallace wasn't a guy who did a lot with the ball in his hand, did a lot on offense that showed up in the box score. Like he didn't score very much, but Chauncey said they love to early in the game, first possession, second possession, just throw him the ball at the high post, at the low post, let him take a shot and miss it. Who cares? Give him the ball. Maybe he'll get a pass. Maybe like just give him the ball and it'll make him feel more in tune with the game more confidence, more this, more that. And in the finals against the Lakers, he ended up hitting a like an elbow jumper on the first possession of the game and like the place went nuts. You know, and I heard Chauncey say that story and it reminds me of like even when people are coming off injuries and you just need them to get into the game and get in the rhythm. That's what Lonzo was doing, what Frank was just alluding to. Like Lonzo was like, dude, yo, touch this. Like feel this. This is what like here here you go. Make a pass. Make a shot. Who cares? Like make a mistake. It doesn't matter. Feel the ball. You gotta you gotta get in it to win it, and that completely showed by the end of the game that the comfort really did come around. So that concept to me will always stand out in situations like this. Yeah, and that's why, like in the fourth quarter, Lonzo threw him the ball in the open court. Said, you know, go go run this fast break real quick, like get comfortable. And and Lonzo was really feeling the moment, and Zion wasn't scared of it. It was it was a ton of fun to watch. I, I and I can't wait to keep watching it. One quick note. <sighs> analytics people oh this is when this is when keeping it real goes wrong for you like you're <laughs> you're in a battle for for the eighth spot you're playing a lot better the spurs are playing a lot better as of late they're ahead of you in the standings zion is just killing it out there like don't don't like hamstring your team it's like I, I, it's like giving them like this shiny brand new toy but telling them they can only play with it for 20 minutes a day it's like come on man like let let the guy cook like leave him in for five more minutes it's not gonna like it's if really it not works gonna it... the irony the irony of it is Derek favorite comes in for him and then like two plays later he ends up like tweaking his ankle or his knee and get back on offense like and, and and the guy you subbed in for the for the dude you're worried about hurting like he almost gets hurt it's yeah. it's like there it's Russian roulette it could happen at any time for no reason like look at Gordon Hayward that was like such an absurd thing that had happened Paul George, like any of these dudes, like it, it, you really don't know when or how it's going to come. I couldn't agree more. Um, if it works, it works, bro. You know, you got a chance to make the playoffs here. Go for it. For sure. Yeah, it's so easy to say that right now, and I feel you. But like, you know, if he's going to be as good as you hope he is, this one game shouldn't matter. It shouldn't mean everything. So if you really, really want to say, like, dude, you're only playing twenty. We're not letting you get in extra stressful situations. Like, that's just what it is. You got to kind of accept it, but it does suck. It really does suck. 
I you almost wish like I got I got a saying for you, bro. Pretty common one, right? Pressure makes diamonds, bro. Come oh, on. Oh wow. That's pretty good right there, Frank. What do you think Come on. And and uh just a quick note from my Twitter today, which is at P Kennedy with two Y's. I put up a little poll before uh maybe like I don't know, maybe like twenty minutes before the game started. And it was a simple simple question. Out of curiosity, are you locked into Zion's debut? Four options were locked in, keeping it on, looking on social media, or nah. And um, nah, no, actually led the poll. And 40% of the people said they were not locked in to Zion's debut. Uh, they were not looking at Zion on social media for Zion's debut. Basically not interested. And that's 427 votes on that wow. poll right there. So not a small sample size, but though the 40% for no is the highest. That's if you do the combine, New York area, like most of your followers are in New York, no, uh, sure, like, sure. But I, I was just trying to gauge, you know, like, are people general, looking at this? But some, casual interest, that's fair. Yeah, some people, some people commented and said, you know, this is actually the first NBA game I watched. Uh, I'm watching this year, so that's a good thing. And if you do uh, add up locked in, keeping it on, and looking on social media, that does equal more than the 40% of people who said no. It's 60%. Quick math for you, right there. Very impressive. Good I know. Nice. But just just interesting. Want to throw it out there, put it out there, and uh, I was pretty intrigued to see to see the the uh, responses. One guy who didn't follow me ended up following me by the end of the night, actually. But he, um, hey. yeah, right, you know, one at a time, one at a time. <laughs> he wrote that the NBA sucks, bro, and I was like, sorry, dude, I didn't put that as an option. But sincerely, <laughs> like, I I kind of wish I did put that as an option. I would love to see how many votes it gets. And he wrote, it's been a struggle to watch over the years. Worst officiating, top four leagues, clunky play, softest injuries, load management. I was going to say it's the worst officiating, Wait, hold top on. four leagues. I, I know. I'm, in the I'm, NFL. I should have skipped that part, but he did say softest league uh, with load management, and that's now what you're talking about. And that he said that before the game even started. Now after the game, we're saying load management ruined this game for us. So it's just kind of interesting. Didn't agree with everything he said there clearly, uh, but I let him know that on Twitter. Fair point. That was a fair point. Yeah, good stuff right there. Um, but I want to finish this up. I want to keep this a nice short pod. It's already late on Thursday morning, Wednesday night, however you want to look at it. But it's well after midnight, and uh, we got we got stuff to do this week. You know what I'm saying? We got more pods coming uh, this weekend or Monday. We'll probably record, so look for Monday or Tuesday release for another episode of NBA Outsiders. We have the Super Bowl next week. Uh, the Chiefs and Niners in Miami. So I'll definitely do something on that later next week. Uh, but before we go, guys, it could be Zion-related. It could be whatever you want to say. Your last words. Frank, let's start with you. I've been waiting for this. Um, my final thought uh, is Chris Paul's likability is so directly linked to how many of his games are on national television. It's unbelievable. Wow. You see the new Twitter surge for him? Chris Paul's actually a good teammate. It's like going to trend as a hashtag soon, I swear. People um, don't forget. That's all I got to say about that. That's crazy. Uh, apparently they do. That's all I got to say. That's crazy. I mean, I I get it, though. He also is playing likable basketball without dislikable teammates, too. So I feel like that's also helping. But, yeah, we don't have to see him cry. We just don't see him cry as much. We just see the highlights. People yep. love an underdog. And not not us three specifically. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I've watched more Thunder games this year than maybe any other team not named the Knicks, which is a weird thing that happened. But hey, I was like me yeah. for the last three years, and now I was it's gonna not. say Frank, you were in like the Thunder purgatory for the past like three or four years, and now like they're actually fun to watch, and you haven't been watching them as much. Right. <laughs> Stephen Adams is only 26 years old. Oh, that's that's actually insane. Um. 
<laughs> I got a, my last thing. I got a real quick life comes a fast. Uh, the Draymond Green uh, Memorial Life Comes A Fast Award goes to Spurs fans because you guys won this game and you're still ahead of the Pel- Pelicans in the standings and no one's going to talk about you. Nope. <laughs> no. And no one cares. And also, uh, a quick points, rebounds, no one cares. A quick addition to the Life Comes At You Fast Award uh, in the Spurs ilk, Greg Popovich, last year. Very against his players taking three pointers. Well, guess what's happened since Lamarcus? Well, more against than other teams in the league, right? They were he just one of them. He's like, I don't want him to step outside their comfort zone or whatever. Sure, but they were zagging when they were zigging. Davies Bertans unleashed when Washington was like shoot threes. Anyways, this year Lamarcus Aldridge starts shooting threes. The Spurs start winning games. Very strange, Mister Popovich. Life comes at you fast. Uh, or slow, like life like comes at you fast. Yeah. Actually, no, but he he did it. He did it kind of <laughs> early, like with Danny Green, Patty Mills, Bellinelli, like all those dudes were ripping threes. Yeah, but then he flopped back on it. I'm just saying, no, pop. Sure let did. it rip. He, let it rip, pop. Coward, coward move, pop. He's a contrarian, bro. It wasn't the cool thing. That... Yeah, that's a fair point, Frank. You're fair uh, point. But but life comes at you fast for Draymond. Still, did you guys see the Chuck comment too? Yeah. That's my last point. <laughs> it's not. It's tough to talk shit when you're averaging a triple single. Yeah. <laughs> and that is why we call it the Zion Williamson. I mean, sorry, that's oh, that's a weird slip right there. And that's why we call it the Draymond Green Life Comes At You Fast Award. Anyway, Sports drop. Blog New York podcast. Oh, oh, what'd you say? You should have dropped the drop for the for the segment. No, <laughs> it's not ready yet. <laughs> the, the drop is not ready yet, Frank. It's gonna be ready. Uh, for a future episode, stay tuned for said drop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the, okay. this is Sports Blog New York podcast. John Lucas, W. Frank Villani, and myself, Peter Kennedy, coming at you fast with some Zion Williamson recap of his first ever game, his NBA debut. It was great. We were stripped of just a little bit of extra excitement that we didn't even know we were going to be in line for. We didn't even ask for it. Then we were given it, and they took it away anyway. But nonetheless, oh, wait, real quick, great moment we didn't talk about was oh. um they were uh they were trying to sub out Zion. He gets fouled. He goes to the free throw line. You know he he misses one, makes one. Then they go back on defense to come back up the court. Uh, Alvin Gentry's calling for his team to call uh to, like to take a timeout, and then. Lonzo just waves him off, and I think Zion just drilled another three. Sick, love that. <laughs> and there were just the, the Pelicans players just laughing about it afterwards. That is fire. Very good. Well, I forget where I was in my outro, but anyways, John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Villani, Pete Kennedy. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on anywhere you listen to podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, anywhere, anywhere you listen. Just do it, and we appreciate you every single time. For now, for Zion. For the NBA Outsiders, for the Sports Blog New York podcast, we're out.